This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. Being willing to get up before dawn, to feed the animals on the farm, work all day in the field, take care of the kids, eat supper, and still have chores to do, is the life my good friend Carlos Delgado has found himself doing. He packed up the family and moved to Washington. Going to the market to get ingredients to make a dish that you've been craving happen, it's like all that stuff, it sucks. Like all the produce in the market, especially stuff that's not in season, is a truck from Chile or whatever, it's just like garbage. And once you like have grown your own tomatoes and know what that a real t- tomato tastes like in season, like straight from your garden, like right off the vine, it's like there's no comparison. It's like, like strawberries, the same thing. And you know, it's like once you have a taste, like you just like going back. Same thing like in sports, sports academy. Like once I had a taste of the professional photography life, there's like no going back. And then like everything after that is just mundane, you know. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from school teachers, Olympic gold medal winners, and basketball coach Jason Flowers. I strongly believe, um, and people might not like this concept whatsoever, especially in today's culture, I strongly believe that people have to get to the fork in the road before they really commit to things or they meaning okay, I say I want to do this, but do I really want to do this? Like, I, I think, like, there, there, if I look back over, you know, I'm not, you know, they're not that old, but if looking back over life, like, the times that, those were the decisions and the times that made the difference in life. Like, the times that you wanted to quit and even were about to quit, and you didn't because you really wanted what was on the other side. You really wanted, but you you have to make that decision at that moment. Go to justasgoodconversation.com for all our archives. Carlos and I had a lot to catch up on, so I broke this podcast up into two parts. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor before diving into part two of my conversation with Carlos Delgado. Was there butterflies when you're driving that five miles, or was there any kinds of hesitant where you two are looking at each other going, what did we get ourselves into? A little of both. A little of both. Like a lot more. I mean, for sure, butterflies. But a lot of just looking at each other, like, where the fuck are we? Like, this is, <laughs> you know, we are, this we are out Bel- here. This isn't Belmont Shores. <laughs> no, no, we are like out here, you know. And um, but we knew that was like what we wanted to do. We knew that was where we wanted to raise our kids and and just have that have that life and, and just that like your 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 life can be like the rug under your life can be pulled out from any at any time as we all know these past two years like and, and not like we were doomsdayers or we knew this was going to happen that's why we came up here it was just like more like we wanted to have agency in in things like we wanted us to happen to life not the other way around you right, know right and we knew that being like in the country and starting a giant garden and trying to get self-sustainable for food is like the first step in in having that agency and you know obviously having like modern modern comforts at the same time mm-hmm. um so yeah we definitely had butterflies and we were just like looking at each other like what are we doing we pull up to the the we drive up to the house and this was just like not a real like house visit with a realtor. This is like, let's just go. We know the address. Let's go look at it. 
and the, the owners were still in the house and where it wouldn't be a big deal in the neighborhood, but we're, but from on the road, you're driving up this gravel road, private drive for like a quarter mile to the house. So we drove up the gravel road and to the house. And when you, so one thing we understood real quick is that you don't just go driving up somebody's gravel drive unless you have business there or if you turned around, whatever, because we go up this gravel, gravel drive and got neighbors coming out, dogs barking and who the hell is this? And we just like turned around and just book it like, oh, that 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 probably wasn't good. Right. With your uh, California license plates. and Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's just you didn't look like you should belong there. Right. Yeah. But uh, luckily that didn't hurt anything. And, and we ended up <laughs> we, we ended up getting the house. Um, and but isn't that funny in. how you just learned real quick about mm-hmm. how tight that community is mm-hmm. and, and where you can see someone coming up your driveway, that expression, you know, yep. where my driveway is all of 12 feet where yours is a quarter of a mile and you can see somebody coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a quick education. Um, lots of those, lots of those that I've had the past couple of years. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a dream come true, honestly. I mean, it's not everybody's dream, but for us, it, it all like the pieces fell into place and, you know, even though like friends and family are like, okay, you guys do that. And especially, um, for me, it's like, you know, people are like, you're going to turn your back on like this business that you built and for what, you know, to, to go out in the woods and, and grow some vegetables. Um, so it was a lot of like wrestling with, with that personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never like wavered in like that, that I knew that that was what we had to do. And, you know, I was like thinking of the kids and stuff, you know, like, right. you know, I, I want, I want them to grow up and go and spread their wings and then be able to always like come back to like, you know, grandma and grandpa's form, you know, like have that sort of legacy, like, you know, in stone where generations later, like at least no matter what calamities like happen, like there'll always be the farm, you know, like come back and there's food. It's it's always bigger than the job. There's sometimes it's just about you and you want to be in a place that's a lot better than, where you're at, mm-hmm. you know, and if, and if that means taking the kids and having a farm and having a life, that's a lot different than where you live, then you do it. Good mm-hmm. Lord. It's yeah. Hard. But it's, it's, it's hard to, to get, to get to that place though. Like oh, I, mentally. Oh, yo, I'm know? sure. I'm sure it was tough. So when you guys get in, settle in, do you take a quick like survey of the of the property? Have they already kind of have a garden, or are you starting from scratch? No, they had nothing. It was just open. Um, they had like this shitty little like outbuilding slash barn shed thing, um, but nothing was fenced. Um, the the backwoods acre was just like unmanaged and just wild. Um, and yeah, we we, we took us. I mean, we looked around. We had home inspections. Everything checked out. And, um, we had some water issues where, you know, we didn't know what to, to start thinking about as far as like well and septic, but we, we got a base knowledge. And when we had, uh, um, inspections, the well guy came out before we pulled the trigger or anything like that the, to test the water, it all tested fine, except it had like really bad water pressure. And so, so that was like the deal breaker for us was that if we were going to have any issues with the well, or, or septic or anything that would like kind of make it 
like a you know the catch basically mm-hmm. and that was a big thing like we had to have we we had to have the owners come in and do work on like basically put a giant cistern uh, in the garage to store water so that the well would feed the cistern then we can draw from the cistern to to use it for the house and to always have good pressure so we didn't have to rely on this well that was was kind of like a uh you know a poor performing well like we didn't we'd have to put so much pressure on it right um so but once we got that all all rectified like we was it was good to go we moved in and we we have an empty house and there's all this property like now what you know, it, <laughs> exactly. yeah now what what is your next what? move the next move was well we we knew that our eventual goal was to have a, a permaculture food forest and for for if you're not like familiar with it and this is all came with like the self-education that i had in the years prior to the move uh, those of, books of, and podcasts oh man you know and and really um investigating all like different agricultural systems and and all the ways to do this thing uh so like a permaculture really is is this is like the maintaining and like creating of like a agricultural productive system that has the same sustainability same um like diversity and just like the the same resilience as like those that occur in like a natural ecosystem so just kind of like think of it like in all the stuff that you do on like a food production system even though we're just like a family that they all have to kind of benefit each other so you're not like putting too much of a strain on your land and so and like it almost like how the how the natives did it you know uh-huh. like uh-huh. you gotta have to you're gonna have to live in harmony with nature if you're gonna expect to sur- survive and live off of off of what nature provides right right so having that in in mind as the goal we knew that uh, a giant garden was going to be the biggest part of it but a lot of the the quick lessons that we I was learning my wife too was uh, the lessons in patience so like although we have these giant these like big aspirations like we really have to pump the brakes on a lot of things um and we knew that we had to think long term first um so part of that permaculture food forest plan of ours was well we want lots of fruit trees and we want berries and perennial food like that will come back year after year and none of that is possible if the deer are going to eat everything so first things first we got to fence this property in um and it's about two acres uh that we got a fence in um so i went to youtube and learned how to fence <laughs> well i was gonna say did you have to go and see if you can even permit for a fencing no, but you you do had to find out where the the buried lines are for right. for the for the power line. So you just just the number you call and they'll come out. They'll send um they'll send a guy and they'll they'll spray paint where all the the buried electrical lines are, where the the fiber optic is. So you just know don't don't dig dig a hole right. over those lines. Um, and as far as fencing goes, like they don't allow like plat uh you know like solid fencing like okay. you, you would see in like a suburban area right. you no know cylinder field fence walls, right 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 and good thing about where we're, we're at we're in like a uh historically pre- uh preserved area it's called like the the lewis and clark like um historical zone or something and pretty much they you cannot build commercially in our area like so all of these farms and and country and rural acreage properties 
um, will be protected forever from like the encroachment of, of, you know, condos and everything. Cause if you, you just go into Vancouver and go North, it's just like just this boom of buildings and buildings and communities. Cause they're just getting this flood from California. Pretty sure. much. But so we're in this little spot where it's like a bubble of, of the, there's no, there's no growth at least commercially. Right. So um, any sort of like addition we want to put on our land, we have anything over 600 square feet. We have to go through all of this red tape and com- community approval to get anything like built up. So like knowing that and, but that we're not going to build anything. We just got to fence stuff it's like, okay, well I'm just going to learn how to build some fence and fence this property in. And at the same time, it's going to take a while. Uh, we'll start our little garden, start with a couple of beds, kind of cordon off where we want the eventual garden space to be in its entirety and think like long-term first like what do we what do we want in five years so what do we have to do now and the first things that we did uh besides starting the the fencing project was to bring in some fruit trees we brought like we planted four fruit trees a pear plum uh apple and peach that property came with like these old apple trees and a plum tree that were just abandoned and like overgrown um, but they, they, they gave us a lot of apples that first year, but you know, we were like, let's start our own thing. So right. we, we started our little baby orchard. Now, are you knowing, thinking at, like the peaches and the apples? Are you thinking that just for an apple or are you thinking apple pie? You know, we can make, uh, drinks out of it. Like how deep down the, the rabbit hole did you go thinking of every kind of thing you're going to put into the ground? What's it going to provide you? Yeah, we didn't go that far. We just knew that we were going to have surplus eventually. Okay. Um, because, I mean, with these fruit trees, they're not going to provide fruit for years, four right. years, five maybe, you know. And and um, we just knew that down the road we would be utilizing a, a, a surplus, whether however that may be, you know. But in the for starters, in the meantime, we're like, let's put some fruit trees in. Let's start our, our, our first few blueberry bushes because they do really well out here. Um, and two months after we bought the house, the pandemic hit and the <laughs> lockdown started. Oh, shit. So, you, and those first two months leading up to the pandemic, I was starting, I was getting AP work in Portland and things were like looking good. Like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to start. I can actually pick up where I left off in just Portland. Um, and the pandemic shut down, boom no phone call for a year and well, you know, a couple, one or two. Right. right. But it was like lights off for the world, you know, and we were already up here on the top of the hill and we're like, well, we're in like the best possible situation, like for this to happen. Um, and we just kind of ran with it. Uh, so while the world was like shut down, I'm over here baking bread and building fence and building a garden up and getting chickens, you know, starting the whole process and um, just having fun, you know. And, and my kids, my my son was supposed to start kindergarten. Um, and it started like all remote, you know. So I'm home with the kids, both kids. My wife's off to work driving down, down the hill every day. 
So I'm stuck at home on the, on the, you know, the property with the two kids, nothing, no projects are getting done. You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah. So it's like really slow going that whole first year of, of getting this fence built. And we're trying to keep, to, we're trying to keep up with the seasons and, and plant what you're supposed to plant when you, you know, while you do it, we have such a short season up here. Yeah, way you're, different. You're now living in a place where there's seasons. Yes, like you're seasons. Yeah, in Long Beach, you were able to do your gardening in vans. Now you're like probably in real attire. Was yeah, that no a change? Flip, no flip flops. Yeah, no flip flops. No <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a change, but we knew that there was season. We we had we 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 had the inkling that we were going to be limited on what we could do and when, and that we had like short time frames of to get things in the ground and how to extend our season. So we were like inundated with information where well, we inundated ourselves uh-huh. right but nothing like prepared us for for the like the futility at least feeling the feeling of it of of gardening for the first time up here with seasons and deer so while i was just working on this perimeter fence it took like eight months to build this thing um we Jesus. were trying to we were trying to you know, I mean, it's the lockdown. I got the kids full time and it's cold. They're not going to be out there with me. You know, we'd have like a, a, my, my mom or my mother-in-law would come and stay for us with us for a week and watch the kids. And then I can, oh, I can go out there and, and put in four hours straight on the fence. And, oh, and then now it's raining. I can't go out there. And, you know, it's like, so it was a slow going and we're trying to garden at the same time and deer are like devastating our, our first little crops. And then we'll, I'll put, I'll put like a deer net around our rate, our first raised beds and, and they'll eat a hole right through it and eat it all up. And then, then there'll be like this hailstorm that comes out of nowhere and destroys all this, all these tomatoes. Oh, Jesus. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was frustrating, but we knew we're like, well, this is just the first season, you know, we don't even have a garden fence up. This is going to happen. We can't expect it like that. We're going to right off the bat be all like have our pantries full of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just like an exercise in patience and, and thinking long-term, okay, I got to get this fence built, you know? And then finally got the fence built. And then by the time I, I wrapped the thing around the property, I felt like I knew what I was doing almost like the first few digging, first few posts, they were like, weren't lining up right. And I was just like making some mistakes and, but by the time I wrapped the thing around, I had like 30 posts in and I was stretching fence like a, like a pro, like I grew up in the country and <laughs> it, it gave me a little, those little victories, like I said, you know, and, and it kind of gave me the momentum to, all right, keep it going, keep it going. So I, I transitioned straight into the garden fence. So we have like this 4,000 square foot garden now, but you know, at the time it's just like a year straight of just building fence and, and working on little projects here and there. Now, now did you get into like the soil and make sure before you did anything, your soil was prepped and ready to go? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people say that you have, you know, you got to test your soil and everything. Uh Um, And we we still haven't done that. We're going to do that this this next fall. But when we first started, it's just grass, right? So we had to kill the grass first. And um, we built our first few raised beds and just like fill the beds with like like prime gardening soil. So we're really just growing out of what you're bringing in and just making sure that you're building up the soil that's in your beds. Right. And, um, and we, we had a couple of mounted rows. Basically we're just like built building the soil on top of what's there right. and just bringing in good stuff, like adding more biomass and kind of, you know, adding the hummus and compost layers after we grow in stuff and, and really trying to build up the tilth of the soil from like 
basically the the top up. Um, so you know, we don't we still don't know what we're doing, but like we're 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 learning. We're having like little lessons as we go, right? Um, but pretty much once the once the the perimeter's fenced in and, and the garden got fenced in, I think that was like last summer. Like we're like, oh, we got like a little farm going. And and now it's just a matter of like filling in the, the gaps, you know, and um we got more chickens and more chickens. And then at some point last year, last spring, we're like, we got all the space, like we we wanna be self-sustaining on food. Let's let's try raising chickens for meat. And we that's looked big. into it. Now that's it's big. big. Chickens for egg sake and chickens for meat are two different things because when we've got three chickens malcolm wanted chicken so we got chickens they give us eggs it's cute because you don't have to kill them and they provide you a little egg every day now when you say chickens for meat and the kids become attached to little betty do you have to like work <laughs> through the fact that little betty might be a chicken pot pie in a couple of weeks um, we encourage the kids not to name them, but that didn't work too, out too good. <laughs> they still named them. <laughs> Your cute little daughter's going to name it in a heartbeat. Uh, She's yeah, got they, friends they all over that yard. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, so we, we started, we dove into meat chickens. We had a, we have, we have both the egg layers and the meat chickens on, on tractors out on the pasture. Um, just so we, we, they're not just static on one piece of land that just like, gets it gets problematic you know when they're when, when they're just putting all their waste on one spot so you, you move them you know every day or so and the the egg layers they we let them out and they free range they put themselves back into the coop at night and the the meat chickens making that step it wasn't that big of a step honestly once we're out here and like we're mid-pandemic and that culture of like doomsday, uh, you know, it wasn't that big of a stretch. To, let me tell you, like to just like get some meat out here that we didn't have to get at the store. <laughs> um, but having like, you know, the kids, like were pretty good. Like they, they have a closer connection to the food. And I think well, me and my wife do and just what it takes, honestly, like it, it, it gives you a whole newfound appreciation for what you put in your mouth. Like, just having to go out there every day and feed them, make sure there's water, move their tractor, and watch them grow for like four months. Like the kind of chickens we were raised for meat, yeah, it's like four weeks indoors or inside under a light. And then once they're feathered, they can go outside, you know, in a covered little tractor with a cover with a tarp. Right. Um, and they're pretty resilient, man. And, you know, basically eight weeks later from when you get these cute little chicks, they're like these monsters ugly just giant like they look like a whole chicken walking around like at the store but with feathers and a head like they're not natural you know like this cornish crossbreed that is like the commercial breed of chickens that all supermarkets have they are bred from it's like genetically modified food early before science like they just bred these chickens to just be at market weight as fast as possible and they just eat and shit that's all they do so by the time by the time they're ready to to get butchered, you you're not attached to them. They're just like ugh. They stink. They're just gross. And right. So, um, we we knew that we were not gonna like half-ass this thing. So we went and got like a a, a, a plucking machine. Cost like three hundred bucks. You know. So we're not gonna be plucking feathers by hand. Okay. I and was gonna got, ask. Yeah. Are you, so are you out there looking like you know? 
uh, Carlos the farmer plucking it. <laughs> Plucked away. <laughs> no, we're, we did this thing like 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 Hollywood style. We were like over here buying a house that's like not a fixer upper, and we got a chicken plucker, and we have Wi Fi and and central air and heat. You know, <laughs> <laughs> all of our neighbors are are on a wood burning stove. And um, speaking of neighbors, like they were like, and they still are like really instrumental in in like what we're doing up here like everyone's super nice that's one thing like out here it's like everyone is so nice um i was and, gonna and ask you that how did your neighbors take to you it just everyone's so nice man and and like they knew that that there's some californians coming up here and buying a house and and you know bringing their california politics and all of this other baggage right right but yeah it, but once they, once we, you know, got to know us and, and they were like, oh, it's a cute little family. And, you know, you know, it's a Mexican guy coming up here, you know, and it's like, it's, it's really nice. And, and some of the, some of the neighbors, like they're, they're about like five or six suburban houses away. We still see them. We still see their house from our okay. windows, you know, and at night their lights are on. It feels cozy. You know, it's not like, you don't feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Right. So it, it's like a acreage property community. So like basically everybody has like three to five acres. And so it's a really close knit sort of community where, you know, you rely on each other. And that's one thing that was like lacking in LA is that there's no weather. There's none. no, none. yeah, there's no like, there's no like adversity. Like you don't have this, everything's comfortable. So you don't have to rely on anyone or you don't have to like depend on, or you don't, there's no, there's no community there's like really little community i'd say i mean there's some we had some nice neighbors but like there was no like sharing of of resources or knowledge or anything like that so once we got up here i I feel like the neighbors like they didn't want like these city kids to die on them so like they really like took us under their 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 tutelage and like let us make sure we had like you know provisions and like if you need anything because there's some winter storms there that were like sketchy and we got, we ended up getting stuck on our house and, you know, our gravel road isn't plowed. So it, it gets like, you know, it gets hairy up here in the winters and having those neighbors that are all on, you know, wood burning stove and they got resources and, and they come and check on us and stuff. It was real nice that first year. Um, Has there been a moment where they bailed your ass out because it got a little, little rough for you? You just weren't sure what to do? Um. I'd say it wasn't more, it wasn't like so much as bailing us out, but it was like. Kinda, just checking on you. Yeah. Like checking on us. They come and come and check on us during a storm and make sure we're okay. Or, or, um, you know, we'll, te- they'll text each, we'll text each other like, Hey, um, you know, I see that we're, we're getting 70 mile per hour winds tonight. Just making sure you're all ready for that. Or, you know, like, Oh, uh, you know, your chicken coop is, you know, the, the roof like ripped off of it or something. And, and it was a lot, it's been a lot of that. Like, you know, do you have some sugar, you know, do you need help building your fence? That kind of thing where, you know, it, the neighborly being the neighborly, like help goes a lot, a long way compared to like neighbor being neighborly in like a suburban area. Um, so yeah, they, I mean, they've been really great. And, and one of those, one of those uh, instances where they kind of bailed me out a little was, you know, I'm stretching fence and it's a lot of these things are not like one man jobs, you know, but 
you know, I'm here by myself. So, you know, right. all, and I got, I still got a little ego. So I'm like, I can do this, you know? So I'm like stretching fence and then I, and then I'm struggling, you know, and one neighbor comes out, he starts giving me a hand. Like, all right. And then the other neighbor comes out, he starts giving me a hand. The, the, the second neighbor that came out to help me, he's like a young Russian guy uh, with a young family. And he likes to, he likes to bust balls and, and he likes to like, you know, you know, he, he likes to, mess around you know he was like oh city guy <laughs> you, you know but he's not he's still super nice he helps him wherever he wants but he came out here with his giant hands and he's like oh, i'll show you how to stretch a fence right yeah. so he starts helping me out and then i'm over here cl- cranking my come along stretching this fence and then the handle under pressure slips right off of it and the the handle just all of that pressure is released onto my forehead boom and it just opens up my forehead like a big, like, just gash. And it's just spritzing all over the place. And I had to sit down. I'm, like, losing my peripheral vision a little bit. And they're all like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm all right. And then he's like, yeah, you never you never lived in the country before? It's like, no, man, I never, never lived in the country before, man. What do, you, what do you expect? You know? But, like, little, little instances like that where it's, like, some tough love with a little uh, – ego deflating yeah. language you know and as then, my head split it open uh-huh yeah and uh but as far as like bailing out yeah i mean they've been great like you know and then another neighbor came in moved in uh next door i say next door it's like about a quarter mile away um and uh you know he has a bunch of animals too so we're always talking animals his wife's a vet come and check out our sheep and stuff and and, uh, you know, next thing you know, we're two years in to this adventure and we got, you know, we got four sheep and 10 chickens. We do like three batches of meat chickens a year and our freezer's full of chicken and this giant garden that's fenced in looks all pretty. And, uh, now it's ready to just build, like build up. You now, know? now with all the, right, like the chicken and you got eggs and what, you know, all the things you're making, has your food, your cooking between e- either one of you, whoever's the 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 chef, the head chef, and whoever one is the experimenter of the two of you? Yeah, that would be you, me. Have you expanded your palate of like how we're gonna do things instead of it's just not always grilled chicken, but let's do this, let's do that? Like, have you expanded being that you have this, you know, different lifestyle? Oh, sure, and and. It was less of the lifestyle and more of the proximity to good restaurants. Sure. So weird. There's nothing. It's a food desert out here. Okay. So how um, long does it take you to get to the grocery store? If you oh, want... like grocery store is five miles away. It's about 12 minutes, right? So any any sort of ingredients that we don't have already is like you, you got to like make an effort. Okay. You got to get in the car, drive down the hill five miles. You'll be there in 12 minutes. No problem. But it's, it's like a hassle. Okay, nearest Home Depot. Oh, that would be in Vancouver where my sister lives, where there's like the closest thing I would call to civilization with like a Chick-fil-A and restaurants and stuff that's not just like a McDonald's, you know, and that's like 25 minutes away. But now we're talking like, you know, an hour drive total to get to the I was going to say, what's the next nearest like family restaurant? 
And then what's the nearest date night restaurant? Oh, that's all in like Vancouver. So we're talking 25 minutes, 30 minutes drive okay. one way. Um, and then, you know, we want, if you want a, like a real culinary experience, you got to go into Portland for like a good restaurant, you know, that's yeah. not like a chain. Right. Um, so, you know, a date night, we'll go into Portland or something and, and make it like a, a evening, but any sort of, yeah, if, if you don't have a plan for food, like you got it, you're stuck like eating shit like honestly like right. i mean re- you know, restaurants are just like especially in like washugo no offense washugo people but you guys it's trash <laughs> you know <laughs> especially the mexican food oh my god it's like nothing you know is it not mexican food no i think i'm rest mexican restaurants but people don't know you know you've lived in la your whole life you're you're used to a certain level of, of burritos and t- you know what i mean like yes. so i mean there's no such thing as like homemade ingredients at a mexican restaurant don't, anywhere around here not even in portland yeah, i mean maybe but i haven't found it don't dare call that a tamale I'll, you know my, right my grandmother rolled over in her grave come on yeah, yeah so so just just by that nature like it has made me step up my cooking game like big time and so you know and obviously having that lockdown in your home and you're just like all right well um, you know, especially the early days where you go into the supermarket, you feel like you're, you're going to die. And it's like, all right, we'll just go and come back and we'll stay here and we'll just cook. And, you know, I always like, like to cook and my wife and I, we, we always cook together before the kids. Um, so basically you know, eating and having like good food is like a whole big factor in, in this whole homesteading experience where not only that not only you're growing quality ingredients, like if you know how to like whip those up into something that just knocks your socks off, man, there's nothing better, you know? And like, and feeding your family at the same time, that's just like a plus. So like, yeah. And that, that, that was like another um, element into that slow burn of just like the love of, of growing food and then turning it into something like great to eat. Um, So I, I tried to carry that on. Uh, when we moved up here and just, you know, getting cookbooks from the library and then asking my mom how to make this or that. Cause I started missing good Mexican food. So like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, isn't so it she, funny? Just something as simple as not being around it. Even if you didn't have, I don't know, let's say a tamale for whatever time. Now you can't go get one. Yeah. Now you miss it more. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's like, a uh, and to get, make it happen, you have to go through a whole bunch of stuff, like even trying to go into the market to get ingredients, to make a dish that you've been craving happen. It's like all that stuff. It sucks. <laughs> like all the produce in the market, especially stuff that's not in season is like truck from Chile or whatever. Uh-huh. It's just like garbage. And once you like have grown your own tomatoes and know what that a real t- tomato tastes like in season, like straight from your garden, like right off the vine. It's like, there's no comparison. It's like strawberries, the same thing. And, you know, it's like, once you have a taste, like you just know going back, same thing like in sports, sports Academy. Like once I had a taste of the professional photography life, there's like no going back. And then like everything after that is just mundane, you know, like oh. it just doesn't stack up. I feel like somehow I got you to this homestead. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it you, you know what it did it, you, in many ways in many ways <laughs> so like okay so what like the sheep what are their jobs on the on the on the farm 
Uh, they're just pets. They're okay. just big, cuddly pets. But they they do um, they do eat a lot of grass. So, okay. so the two acres. Yes, the two acres of of, of, of pasture we have um, is managed by the sheep in like a rotational grazing system. Um, and we this coming up spring is going to be the first season that they're going to really put them out on on the pasture once once the gra- the the uh, spring season wakes the grass up again Mm -hmm. and because one thing we learned early on that first year was if we let the grass go like we're we're in trouble like we it came with a a riding mower the house did but it wasn't starting um so when that first winter we we moved in during the winter it turned into spring and the grass started growing but we weren't mowing it yet we see all the neighbors out there mowing the grass and ours was oh it's okay i'll get you know we'll we'll get this thing fixed yeah yeah, nope. Because then we had a by the, by the next thing you know, we have like an acre and a half of like four foot high prairie grass that's all just like overgrown and going to seed, and the, a mower won't even cut it. Like you have to like go out there with a scythe, like the Grim Reaper, and right. like cut it down. It took us months and months of like, and, and then the neighbors coming and attacking it with their own mower until I can get mine going. And I, I I I baked a couple of loaves of sourdough as gifts for the neighbors a few times for just helping me with this overgrown grass so um part of that whole that whole mission of of farming this grass which is i had to look at it look at this whole homesteading in terms of we're really just farming the soil and the grass we're not and, and we're not really growing stuff you know it's like all of this is on a land that we need to nurture and take care of and like it's going back to like that permaculture um system of agriculture like everything has to have like be being like a closed loop and kind of benefit each other so if we're taking care of the grass because like that's like a giant like resource on this property and and taking care of the the ground that it's on top of and all of our efforts above ground is is going to like be fruitful you know and so you know, you learned real quick. So, like, you know, if we get some animals out here that eat the grass and then fertilize the fields, and then we can, you know, use the animals for meat and uh, for eggs, and then it kind of becomes a closed loop system. Then we ended up, you know, we end up composting the byproducts of like their bedding, and that all that goes to the garden, and it becomes like this big cyclical thing. So you're not like taxing the earth too much. Right. So. Right, so the sheep are out there just eating grass, and so once the spring comes around, we'll have them in like these smaller paddocks, and we'll kind of rotate them as we go along, like a week in one paddock, move them to the next one, and just rotate them, and gives the the grass that they were on a chance to recuperate, give them like two weeks, three weeks for the grass to grow back, and you just cycle them all through, and and it becomes like a you know beneficial for for the property and for us mm-hmm. and they're cute and the wife and kids love them and <laughs> how many you know, do you have we have four now we started off with two ewes in the summer and we just picked up two weathers or castrated males and uh so now we have monica rachel chandler and ross <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great that's yep. totally an inside joke for you guys because the kids sure. have no idea what they're No idea. They're just that's their only reference of, right. of those names is our sheep. 
Um, we were we were gonna get Joey and Phoebe, but now that we're seeing how much hay they're going through in the um, winter and the off season, we're like, yeah, I don't know, maybe four is enough. Yeah, I was gonna say at some point you're feeding them, not the land, so that can't yeah. be expensive. Oh yeah, well, pretty much a late fall through the winter until spring. Like there's no the grass is dormant, and if they're if you let them out there, they'll destroy the the pasture. So you have to kind of keep them in a sacrifice lot and feed them hay and um and you know basically let that let that grass recuperate right any goats Mm -hmm. no no goats right now maybe down the road pigs not yet maybe next year a cow like are these animals too big to think of or is that no way in hell like where's the boundary they're they're too big to think of for us right now you we could in theory have one cow on our two acres okay and as long as as we kind of shuffle them around um but it's that's a lot right now i was gonna say what are you gonna do with it other than milk Unless you we'll slaughter butcher it, well, yeah. yeah, we would butcher, we would send it off to a butcher, and and that's what we want to do with pigs um, down the road, maybe in a year or two, is is um, have a pig or two, maybe cost, uh, split the cost with like my sister or something or a mm-hmm. neighbor, where they split the cost on feed, and we just raise them for like six months, and then we get we those I probably have a butcher come and and often and then take it to a facility and then just bring back nicely packaged like cuts and stuff, you know? Um, but that's down the road, you know, we got some plans, um, you know, basically growing this garden to where we hopefully get, you know, pretty close to hundred percent sustainable for food. We got a bunch of blueberries, raspberry rose, and those fruit trees will start giving us fruit in a couple of years. And, uh, we got a, uh, I have a pending grant with the USDA for a, a high tunnel. And we, something we learned about that the USDA what does that has a, mean? So the USDA has this um, branch of, of, of that um, organization called the National Conservation Resource um, Service. Okay. And so they have all of these like micro grants available to farmers uh, for practices that will renew the resources of the land. So and one of those is a high tunnel, which is like another way of saying like a, a really big greenhouse which is like a six foot high greenhouse that's like 50 feet long and 16 feet wide. Okay. Yeah. And, um, that having that will allow us to grow food year round where we're not so dependent on the seasons and can have fresh vegetables all year long, even through the winter, like inside the greenhouse will be nice and cozy while it's like snowing and blizzard outside. Um, so, you know, that's down the road. That's probably next year. Um, and uh, I'm really been into. I really got into mushrooms, like growing mushrooms, because there's like a bunch of wild mushrooms growing in our woods. And uh, I learned about uh, what I need to do to to create a giant mushroom garden, just using like logs in the woods. Mm-hmm. And apparently, um, shiitake cultivation is like profitable and it's relatively easy um, and inexpensive to start up. And so something stuff like that is where now I'm starting to think outside the box for, for, for supplemental income, uh, not just photography um, and kind of what avenues I can kind of explore to really pump out not just food for us, but like commodities for the community that will kind of help things along to be able to, you know, maybe tackle less student loan, you know, in a few years and, and just kind of 
provide that cushion, you know, now that all that pand pandemic assistance is over and now like the, you know, now it's starting, now it's like real world time where, you know, that's hopefully all in the, the rear view mirror, hopefully soon, you know? Wow. Um, are there, I mean, I know it's only been 24 months, but are, are there any like, um, mistakes or do overs you wish you can change already in those first couple of years? Um, that would maybe save you time or money or just not make the process so long. Maybe not, you know, not splitting your forehead open. Yeah, I would, <laughs> I would say that, but you know what? I learned a valuable lesson though, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, luckily the mistakes we made so far haven't been like too costly as far as like money wise or time wise. And, you know, like having, you know, I, I would get like easily frustrated at times, especially like during lockdown where like nothing's happening, you know, or like these projects are just forever on my list and they're not going anywhere. And I'm like, don't, don't feel like I'm making any headway. And, you know, it'd, it'd be easy to, to feel like, you know, frustrated that stuff's not happening as fast as you want, you know? And, right. You only and, have two hands. Right. Yeah. And, and just having like to pump the brakes a little bit and to think like, you know, this is like a long haul. This is not like a something that is going to be done right away and then boom. It is always going to be in progress. Like even with like a like it's completely built up like as our like little dream that we we formulated before I moved up here. Like even at that point, it's still going to be like this constant maintenance and and just this growth and just this like dance that you're gonna that i'm gonna be doing with nature forever you know it's never gonna be done so um although it'll be like all the infrastructure that we've been building the past two years is, is built like my neighbor like to tell me like once your fence building is over the next day it starts fence fixing you know so it's it's never gonna be done so just like having that like uh you know, to, to fall back on, okay, just, it's okay. It's not going to be, Rome wasn't built in a day. And even then, like they start, they got to start fixing those aqueducts right away. Like, it's not like it's going to be ever done. Right. So, and, and just to like, enjoy the path, like enjoy the, the process, you know, even in like the photography world, it's like, it's, if you're not enjoying the road, like you're going to be, you're going to wake up and like that road is behind you and, and, you're, you're going to have a lot of regrets, you know? Do, do you do, I mean, do you and your, I guess your wife feel that you guys do a good job of balancing family life and the farm? Cause the farm can be very taxing from what I'm reading, you know, and the research is like, you're, you're so committed to this. It's seven, it's seven days a week, 24 hours a day. God forbid something happens to an animal, some predator comes in, whatever. Like, do you guys feel you have a good balance in family and farm? I think so. I mean, luckily, like my wife is amazing. Like she's just been so super supportive of this whole venture and she's like the rock of the whole deal. Like none of this is possible without her and, and her career and her willingness to like go on this, this adventure with me, you know? And, you know, she, she wants to do as much hands-on stuff as she possibly can. Um, but like the reality is she's like the, the breadwinner, you know? Right. So, it, so that balance has, has been interesting to navigate, but like still, you know, we, we work well together. So, you know, I'm, I'm like manning the home front 
and while she's out there doing the hustle and bringing home the bacon and just that whole dynamic is is not one that's like ingrained in human beings like you know culturally speaking so just kind of navigating that whole thing especially being used to being so productive in LA and, and bringing in income and, 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 you know, being busy, uh, in my own right, um, really pumping the brakes, uh, and turning down the volume of the hustle has been like an adjustment, you know? Um, but as far as like, you know, the, the, the family balance, um, all that, all that's been pretty like easily uh, maneuvered, you know, like we're, we're, we work well together. Um, and luckily the, the community out here is like so good. So, so nice. Like just this real community that the school that the kids go to, everyone's like close knit. Um, and, you know, we've been making some friends and the kids been making friends. Um, you know, they, they take the bus to school every day. It's like this like ideal, uh, idyllic, like um, Americana existence. That's like, you know, only in like the movies almost, you know, so like you don't even think that's possible when you're like growing up in a city you know, you see it in Forrest Gump, you know, like, oh, the bus is here, and, you know, kids going going to school, and then I'm over here, like, Forrest jumping on the, the, the lawnmower. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, uh, I, I got to ask this. I mean, was it a challenge for you to kind of put away the ego and know that you're not going to work 40, 50, 60 hours a week with either high-profile clients, shooting celebrities, you know, jaunting off, and your job basically is, is, you know, taking care of the kids, putting on some, you know, work boots and, and tending to fences and, and pigs and whatever yeah, comes about. I mean, was that a bit of an ego step for you to, to take? Because I think I would have a very difficult time with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's 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 a good one because, I mean, you're right. We do have these egos, and, and I think just even creatives aside, like just as men, we have like, you know, this, this need to provide, right? So – um, I don't know, this, this, this whole past two years has been like, uh, a ego destroying experience in all realms. Um, not just like putting the career trajectory aside, but just like starting over in like generally speaking. So like l- learning things that I didn't know before how to build fence, for instance, or even just l- live out in the country and, just a whole lot of just humility happening. Um, (laughs) So as far as like the, the career though um, yeah, you know, at times I'm like, yeah, you know, I used to be super busy and bringing home like, you know, like some good, good money considering for a photographer, especially like freelance photographer. Um, But um, yeah, you know, it, we, it, when I start getting those like ego feelings bubbling up, like, man, like, you know, I used to be, you know, bouncing around doing this or that. And, you know, I see all of, uh, all of my, my colleagues in LA still posting photos and out on the sidelines and doing great work. Um, you know, that, that, that little feeling will start to bubble up again. But then, then I just like look out my window and just like, man, look at, look at what we've done. Or I'll have like, um, you know, some, a little chat with my wife when kids are sleeping and just like, just have that moment of appreciation. And just like, you know, we put all of the, the hustle, the bustle of like the daily stuff aside and just kind of appreciate, um, like all that we've done and like all the goals that we've accomplished. And then it it makes that go like away real quick. Um, yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things though. Like, you know, we 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 had this idea, and it's like a crazy idea, but we we made it happen. So, um, the one thing though that that kind of f- like fills that void is that I am like working with my hands like a a big chunk of time. So like four hours out in the garden or working on the land or something like that. And I'm like sweating and my shoulders are sore after the end of the day. And I'm like throwing around posts and, and who knows what, you know, like all the, all the physical labor that is involved with farming um, is incredibly gratifying. I'll tell you that much. Like, it's like nothing, no photo shoot, like, has ever compared to just working like like manual labor for the sake of your own family's like you know livelihood pretty much you know it it goes down to you know like it taps this like weird like dna you know that's like buried in all of us especially as men that like you know we want to provide for our family and like i pretty much just like hop skipped over the in-between part of it that where you have to make the money first and then you provide for your family. So, you know, whereas my wife, she'll go out and get the money for the mortgage and stuff, you know, I'll stay home and work on the garden for a few hours. And this, this goal of feeding us, us with my hands is actually like happening. So like that, that whole part of it kind of like skips the, the ego part. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a weird feeling. I never thought that that would, that would kind of be a thing, but it, it is. Oh, you it's know? a huge it, accomplishment. At the end of the yeah. day, when you sit back and you realize, you know, you, you literally made half of the food or maybe more of what you're eating. That's, that's an unbelievable. It's not like, oh, I earned the, the money that then we went to the grocery store and bought the food. You put the hard in time, sweat and energy and made those radishes carrots you know chickens whatever it might be right right and and something about i mean obviously yeah it does taste better for one but there's just have this like whole other connection with with our food it's um like i said it's like incredibly gratifying and just like knowing all the work that we put in to make this happen um and then just to see like my kids just like grubbing on like a chicken leg that i you know was out there every day feeding and watering for for two months and then the whole day it took to process these these guys um yeah it's just something that you you just don't get from you know getting a packet of of drumsticks at the at the market and you know cooking them up and it's just this whole other level of appreciation for for your food and just for what you know we're we're capable of as as people you know like you know like have you ever heard that expression um farmer strong like you're getting, yeah. far, are you, do you feel like you're getting farmer strong? Cause you mentioned the, the shoulder, the shoulders being sore at the end of the day. Oh, sure. For sure. And, you know, having done CrossFit for like 10 years now, that like was a excellent primer to getting out here and, and, and moving, moving my body around. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely different though, you know, where, especially during the, the fence building stage where, where I'm constantly digging holes and, you know, I try. I started off um, went digging post holes with like a, a, a gas powered auger, right? And then, like quickly, I realized that it was more hassle than it was worth. So I just went out there with like a post hole digger, 
And I, I probably dug, I don't know, close to 30, 40 post holes where you got to dig like four feet deep down into the ground. And, um, and you, you got this, like, like this, it's like a tamp tamping bar where you dig a hole in four feet down. And then you have like this six inch diameter post. That's like eight feet long. Yeah. And that has to go in there and then you got to put in gravel and then you have this like super heavy bar where you have to tamp all that gravel down. That is real work on your body. Like there's one thing being in a CrossFit class, but we're talking about all day doing different things, lifting, moving, cutting, dragging. Like that's, that's a lot of work on your body. Do you feel at the end of the day, like your body's hungry and you got to put food back in it? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure, man. It's, it's definitely functional, uh, movement and you gotta be strong, you know, like, just like, um, you know, if, if you want to go hunting or you want to go, you know, get your food, you, you have to be strong enough to, to, to deal with what it takes to get it. Right. So same thing with like producing your food on a farm, you know, there's certain things that go into it that you need to do to make it happen, you know? Um, so it's, it's not for, for, for the week, that's for sure. You know, but I mean, I think anybody could do it just like anyone can start CrossFit or anything. Anybody can start like, you know, uh, like a personal training regimen and, and you have to kind of start slow and it's gonna, it's gonna suck for a while, but over time your hands will get calloused. Your, you know, your, your back's going to get stronger and it'll get easier. Um, but just like in anything physical, like that's what I feel keeps your, your body like, like working right. You know, like if you, if you become sedentary, then, I mean, even for me, I, I, I won't, if I don't work out for like a week or two, then my knees start to, to be hum and like, you know, my joints are aching and I'm, you know, I'm not even 40 yet. So, you know, I, I, you got to keep this stuff lubed up or things are not going to go good for you, you know? Right. Um, so even, you know, throwing around straw bales and digging post holes, all that is like fun for me, you know, like it gets me out there and it gets me sweating and, and make, makes you feel strong. And then there's actual like purpose behind it. It's not like you're, you're working out for an hour, just, you know, just to keep it going. You're, you're not like tricking your body into thinking you're, you're exercising for, for anything but survival, you know, and, and actually here, it's like there's there's a reason why you know I'm sweating and and moving and throwing stuff around because I'm trying to feed my family you know so there's there's a little bit more drive there than just kind of trying to look good or feel good you know there's there's okay if if we want food on the table obviously we can go buy it but you know what's the fun in that right ha have you felt because you were crossfitting for you know before you came up. Do you feel the two years on the farm, your body's changed even more? Yeah, I think so. But honestly, though, see, we came out here and um, I had taken a break from CrossFit for like almost two years before we moved up here. I mean, I was doing some stuff, but I, um, I, ha I got a hernia like two years before we moved up here. And that put me out of the game for a while. And it, it wasn't like workout related or anything. It was something stupid. I was just like coughing, had like a coughing fit and it just boom happened. And, <laughs> and that's you great. Know, like, you would think it would be doing a max deadlift, but no, it's you, just you, coughing. You would, think, <laughs> you would think so, but nope. Mm -mm. Yeah. And it was like embarrassing. And, you know, it's like, ah, oh, all right, I guess I have to, you know, chill out for a while. And, you know, I had the whole surgery and everything and, 
you know, put me out of the game for a year and a half as far as like being able to work out, like, like, you know, like have, have any sort of strenuous exercise. So that whole year of hustle of hustling and grinding out to, to be able to make this move happen was, was one of like putting my body on like body's knees on the back burner, you know, like, so, you know, I, I lost a lot of muscle in that year and a half and just a lot of, um, just a lot of lung power and you lose a lot of everything. Sure. If you Isn't don't, it funny how you don't fast do it, it goes? You know? Yeah, it, it's, it happens so fast. And so we, we came out here and once, once we're up here and we started like the first few projects and started, uh, started the fence and everything, it was like, man, I'm out of shape, you know? And there, you know, that was during the, the lockdown months. So there's no gyms are open. And, uh, it really was, I took it on myself. Like I need to get back into it. You know, I'm like all healed up from the hernia and just no excuses at this point. So I just started making up farm workouts. I like built a, a, a pull-up bar out of just some pipe, you know? That'll and get you. Yeah, yeah. And then I got, got myself um, a, a kettlebell and that's all you need, man. Just a kettlebell and a pull-up bar, that's it. you know, pr- prison style. Yeah. I yep. mean, you can do all kinds of stuff with just those two pieces. Exactly. And put your yeah, hurting so, on yourself as well. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and just the nature of of living in the country. I mean, luckily, you know, I, we have um central air, so we don't have to, you know, cut wood to heat our home or anything, but mm-hmm. if I if I were to, you know, I'd be out there chopping wood up and and everything. Uh but uh just the nature of the lifestyle that we chose, it's definitely very, very physically demanding, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, the CrossFit stuff helped to get me in shape. And, and, you know, once I started getting, get back into it, even just with like the home workouts, it it came back pretty quick, you know? Right. And then, um, you know, probably about a year later, uh, the local CrossFit gym opened up again for classes and, you know, I started going there and stuff again. So it, 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 it didn't take long to, to get back into it, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely taxing physically, but in a good way, uh, this whole, the whole lifestyle and, and just kind of keeping everything moving and, and grinding and, and really just kind of keeping like the, uh, like the strenuous, like effort going. So, so you're not just sitting around, you know, if it, if it's like rough and tough to do and your body's hurting and you got to push yourself to do it, then it's probably, probably a good thing. Right. What, yeah. what is your day to day? Now I don't, I'm guessing all the seven days in a week or maybe a little different because the kids might be home, the wife's schedule, your schedule, but what's like an average day to day for you? Let's see. Average day to day. Um, it starts pretty early, you know? Um, well, it starts earlier for my wife cause she, she does home health. So she, she drives around and does, you know, therapy in people's homes. Mm-hmm. And so all the documentation she does is, like early before the kids wake up. So she's out there like four 30 oh. tapping away on the laptop and stuff. And, and I'll, uh, I'll get up, you know, five 30 or six or something. And, uh, you know, I'll start doing like domestic duties, getting the kids all, you know, ready to go and everything. Um, and it really depends like the, the sheep and the chickens and, and all the other animals, they, they kind of are, are set to go. You got to, one of us has to get out there by like eight o'clock at least in the morning to let them out of the barn and, so they can go and, 
you know, stretch their legs and stuff, make, make sure that they got food and water and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it depends what, what time of year too. So right now the garden's just, you know, asleep. There's not really a task to do. Um, and the, the pasture is closed down for the winter. So we have like a, about a quarter acre or so that, um, that we're, you know, basically like keeping everybody off until springtime, just so that the grass has time to rejuvenate. And I mean, it rains for weeks on end here. So, you know, having like animals out there and there's nothing to eat for them really, this is not a, a healthy thing for the land. So we have like a little sacrifice area for them right outside the barn during the winter time. So this time of year, there's not much going on uh, besides like projects that we have to tackle during the winter time. Got to like redo the compost bins or, um, you know, but, oh, I'm like building, I'm like gathering up logs to, to start a mushroom garden and uh, things like that. Kind of like housekeeping sort of things. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll go, I'll do a little, a few morning chores this time of year come back inside and you know taking uh by that point my my son gets picked up from from the school bus but i'll have my daughter for for the mornings right now because her preschool is just in the afternoons so it's just kind of and, and, and especially when it's cold she's not going to go out there with me to, to, to do any sort of <laughs> no. you know any projects in <laughs> summertime's a different story right. but she so, looks at you through the window bye dad have fun yeah right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I wish. and then i just hear like snacks you should go out to the to the deck and like yell. She got we have like a like an old school dinner bell. She'll ring it and be like, "Dad, I want a snack." Like, all right, gotta come in from like half an acre away. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then so right now it's kind of, you know, it, it's you know, like basically only have like three hours to myself in the afternoons while both kids are in school mm-hmm. for like four days a week. So you know, I'll drop her off and I come back home and then it's just like a rush to do whatever I can in those like you know two hours oh and i have to feed myself too and oh, so it's yeah. like oh yeah you know there's not a lot of time for 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 like projects and that's why it felt like that whole first year and a half like took everything took so long just because you know I, there was no time and during last year it was like my son was in kindergarten and my my daughter she she did part-time preschool and you know he, there it was all remote so there was like there was no going out and you know there was no like me time really you know so stuff took really you know projects were just dragging on you know and uh you know just had to like again like just exercise that patience and just like this all right you know so what it just get 30 minutes at a, at a time maybe dig one hole today all right next maybe tomorrow i'll dig another one you know and but week after week like these little projects well they're big projects but they they get they start to get completed after a while then you're like oh shit the i'm almost done with this thing you know even though it took like all summer long or whatever um you know but uh yeah so again it just depends on the time of year right so springtime summertime that's when it starts to get crazy at least with the garden where you really gotta keep on top of, of of harvesting and and there's all the there's there's just these never ending list of 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 to do to do things you know, and uh, I'm sure like, when that right. thing comes alive, it is 24 hours a day of just something. I mean, God. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, and when it's like harvest time, and we have all of this food that's going to go to waste unless we do something with it. Um, 
you know, you're, you're, you're staying up after the kids go to bed and, and you're, you know, you're, you're taking care of the harvest, you, whatever, you know, whatever you do, we're, we're not canning yet, you know, but we have like, you know, we vacuum seal and freeze a bunch of stuff or, you know, we have a bunch of like greens or, or kale and we just like blend it up and just put them in ice cube trays and freeze them for soups or something. And mm-hmm. otherwise it's just like a big, big waste of time, you know, like if you don't do what you got to do to like preserve your harvest. And one thing that uh, we learned real quick, even back in Long Beach when we were doing the, the community garden was growing stuff. So you just growing the right amount of stuff you know, knowing what your, what your family is going to eat and knowing how much you're going to eat. So you're not just inundated with just these baskets and baskets of, of one crop that you're only going to eat like so, one thing, you know, once a week or something. And right. then, and then what, you know, you give it all, give it a, bu- a bunch of it away to neighbors. Sure. We do a lot of that too, but you know, it just becomes like a, a, a burden almost like what the hell are we going to do with all these like tomatoes then? Right. or whatever you know how much broccoli can we eat or how many carrots right yeah exactly so a lot of the garden planning that will that that's kind of what goes into it as far as like how much do we eat let's say of this one particular vegetable all right so if we want to have like let's say a pound or two of carrots a week or, or something then when like how often do we have to like do successive plantings of this thing or whatever salad salad greens so like, all right so every other two weeks we got to go out there and plant some seeds of something so that uh you know there's a successive harvest of whatever you know vegetable and so there's not too much of one thing or, or there's there's just the right amount of of you know let's say you know strawberries or whatever what have you um just so we're not just wasting time or or feel like burdened or just overwhelmed because this whole lifestyle can be overwhelming if we let it you know so you kind of have to do a lot of planning and thinking ahead so it doesn't get to that point and even then it gets to that point especially in the summertime you're just like man what are we gonna do here (laughs) (laughs) i mean i know your sample size is small it's only two years and you know but i asked this question do you think the kids will be more adapt to eating like vegetables because they see the process and they're on the farm then like when you grew up with your sister and eating vegetables were you guys like into broccoli or carrots or squash do you think the kids will be more adapt to that i think so i think so i remember growing up and and as far as vegetables go you know we we had a little garden but nothing like that you know it it yeah, not at your scale. Not at your scale. Not even, yeah. not even close. But I mean, my mom would always try to make it fun. You know, like everything would be a game. You know, she'd like make the carrots pe- carrot peels dance or something, and it made like, <laughs> right, you know. So it was always trying to, you know, like we we always my my sister and I like we I remember we ate our vegetables sometimes or you know, but we never had that connection uh, that my kids already like shown that they have. So. You know, they'll we'll go out there and, and for some reason, like my daughter and my son, they'll eat like fresh spinach or kale or greens, like straight out of the garden. But they're, but like you bring it inside the kitchen, like they're like, nah, we're okay. So like, it's, it's weird, you know, the, but they have this connection. Like they know what it takes to, to get food on the, the, on the table. And right now, I mean, really this, this coming spring is going to be like the first 
season where we're going we're trying to go like close to full scale now that the you know the the garden fence is completed and and there's no you know in between like all the infrastructure is built for the most part okay. um to to be able to really keep critters like, out full growth yep, everything yeah what yep. a process god more than two years yeah and you I, had a I pandemic mean, on your side to give you three more time yeah well i wish it, it would be more time if i had my kids that's true you know? oh yeah absolutely i forget you know because it's like, of that. right it's, so it's like always it was almost like the opposite where even the lockdown and everything it's like all right well i'm locked down here with my two kids that are that are under five years old and you know it's cold and miserable half of the year and you know any sort of infrastructure projects are going to take a really long time you know and I still dragged them out there and stuff, but and, and we had help with family coming over and watching them and stuff. But even then, uh, yeah, it 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 everything took a really long time. And, um, so but, going into know, this year, you're gonna you're gonna see maybe a hundred percent process. Yeah, we're probably close to maybe I would say like seventy five. And the one thing though also is because we have such a, a short growing season here is that um, is that because of weather? Because it seems like yeah. you get more sun. Well, we get a lot of sun in the in the summertime, so it is really wet here. Right, like it rains for many many months. How like, many inches sometimes do you, it, you get in a year? Fifty, sixty? I don't know. That's a, that's the Google question. I just know it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's a farmer yeah. answer right there. A lot. <laughs> yeah, a lot of rain, um, and sometimes it just rains for weeks on end. You know, and the sun doesn't come out for a long time, but. Um, it it it'll make you appreciate a dry day, a sunny day. That's for sure. And then when when you do have, and it's the spring and the rainy season, or even in the fall, and and then there's a day that's dry and the sun's out, even though it's like you know fifty or whatever, you'll go out there and you'll be you'll be damn appreciative that it's it's not that miserable, and you and that'll that day will feel really good and productive. You know, versus being seventy-two and perfect all year round, it's like, oh, whatever. I'll just be inside today. You know, there's no, there's no like, not taking advantage of a dry and and somewhat, you know, not miserable day. You're gonna go out there and do something. Well, for, 43, 43 is your answer. You guys average yeah. forty-three inches of rain a year. Oh, there you go. You're pretty close. Yeah. Good yeah. God, that's a lot of rain. It is, but you know what? If without that rain, it wouldn't be so damn beautiful out here, right. and it wouldn't be, you know, so productive. The and the thing about the Pacific Northwest is that it doesn't rain for the whole summer. There's no rain, so it rains like for you know six, seven months out of the year, and then come June, July, it dries up. Everything there's no rain, nothing. So that's why it's so just amazing out here in the summer because you you've had all this growth and greenery for the whole the whole year, and then in the summertime everybody's just out enjoying it. You're out on the river, you're you're hiking, you're just like soaking it all in. You know, there's that's why there's such a huge uh, outdoor culture in the Pacific Northwest because it's so damn beautiful and and just amazing in the summertime. You know, just like perfect days for three months straight. Uh, before it starts to starts to turn again, you know. Right. So, feel like there's like this this huge culture out here of of taking advantage and appreciation of of a good day, you know, because there's seasons, right? Um, so yeah, just going back to about like the the the, the production here as far as food goes, right? Um, the 
the, the short growing season, at least for like heat loving crops, like tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers, it is, it's tough. So, um, really not until we have this high tunnel built this this big greenhouse mm-hmm. which we're probably going to have built hopefully next fall um that it's at that point then that's when we'll really have a a true gauge as to how it's going to be year after year as far as having like year round fresh fresh vegetables and being able to be harvesting tomatoes like late into the fall and even into like december um and just having like this little this microclimate inside of that greenhouse where you know it's nice and warm in there and it can be like snow on the ground everywhere else um so even then and i feel like even after we have that built it's always going to be like oh you know we'll see in five years so it's like been this 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 big test like the the goal is here just to always think in long term you know you know, because I know in the five years, this place is really going to be pumping. And in 10 years, it's probably going to be really pumping, you know. And then hopefully at that point, it's just kind of ma- maintaining like the, you know, what it takes every year after year. And then I'm sure as we go along, we'll get better at certain stuff, learn from mistakes and and know, you know, what to plant when and where as far as like crop rotation and everything and see how to really make our our garden work best for us because right now we're just trying this and that you know we have different a few different kind of methods of of growing going to see to really find out how what it takes to grow out here you know um because right. you know gardening in southern california is, is so easy in comparison you know like it's just like oh yeah just Plant this stuff in December. You'll find, you know, there's, it's, it's, <laughs> it'll grow. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's really like, it's really crazy how, how, you know, spoiled we, I was as far as like expect, you know, growing food. Right. Uh, it's so different. It's so different, but it's, it's, it's been awesome so far just knowing what to do and, and having built all of this infrastructure and like all the things that it takes to, to get to where we even we're, we're at now, where I feel like, just now we're we're just at the starting point here now that we're like not worrying too much about critters even though like rabbits are still getting in and stuff that'll require a whole other project (laughs) well (laughs) you you sneaked in the word 10 years like do you believe you see your guys settling in long term like you know kids go through all through school there 20 30 years in like you're just this is the the life two years in, have you looked that far and had that oh, discussion? Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Like we're, we're, this is like, you know, people say like forever home when, you know, they kind of throw that term around. Yep. yep. Um, but you know, that's a, that's a term that's like thrown around, but not really thought about as far as like what, where you're going to be, you know, in, in 10 years. Right. So when we, we made this plan to come up here in Homestead, we were thinking like, 30 years, 40 years, like when our kids are grown up and, and out, gone out the house, they, they spread their wings. They went out, for, you know, went away for college, hopefully. And they go and have their lives. Like I was telling you the, the earlier, like we want to have like this oasis for, for them in the future and for their kids and their kids to always know that there's going to be, you know, we can always go back to grandma and grandpa's farm. You know what I mean? Like, just like, in just this past two years, just to see how, how flimsy 
like the the world can be you know right just like what calamities are going to befall humanity in the next 10 20 years you know obviously you can start getting all doom and gloom about it and rightly so in a lot of ways but i feel like if we have like a farm you know a farm that's and we're self-sustaining for food and regardless of what's happening out there like there's always going to be like safety and just like security on our property, even though our little three acres, you know, like just, just knowing 10, 20, 30 years, like we're still going to be doing this in some, you know, one way or one form or another. Uh, yeah. Just like long, long term, you know, like, yeah. And you know, like we're first things we did was plant fruit, fruit trees. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and it's going to be a while. Right. But thinking 10 years, 15 years down the road, these fruit trees are going to be producing fruit for for our kids when they're in high school, when when they're older, and and eventually we want you know grandkids to come and tell them stories like, hey, we came out here and planted this fruit tree, and you know, and just be able to have like a legacy that we can kind of pass on that's like tangible, right? You know, um, and the and in the in the process have to try to have some fun uh learning and 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 doing all this you know and and i feel like as far as for for health reasons obviously you know your your our family is going to be eating as healthy as it can get but also just the the physical like demands of this lifestyle is going to be like beneficial for our health moving forward for my wife and i you know like if you're out here and you're in your 50s and your 60s and you're still you know moving hay around and doing what it takes to to uh to have maintain this lifestyle um you'd probably be better off compared to someone that's you know behind a desk for 30 years and and you know they find themselves at retirement age and you know you're you're overweight and got ailments and just not a good good equation you know let's circle back because this is kind of interesting when i was doing my research I saw a ton of people online that uh, are creatives or that are presenting themselves as creatives on like YouTube channels and like, this is my farm life. I moved from East LA to North Carolina or whatever. Did you guys ever think like, wow, maybe we should, I should post something on social media and start a YouTube channel of, you know, our farm from start to finish. Was that ever something that came to mind or even is it maybe something you're thinking about in the future? Um, maybe, I mean, I was, I've never been the type to be like in front of the camera and all comfortable and stuff. Obviously I got into this to be behind the camera, you know, and to like capture what's going on and, uh, and do it like that. But, you know, once we came out here and, and, you know, just having fun, like documenting this, this whole process, um, whether or not, you know, I'm, like doing like selfie vi- videos like hey guys like here's here's my day today you know that's not really my style but i mean as far as like you know just sharing with my friends and, and family like all of the stuff that we're doing like you just want i just want i just started posting things just to kind of you know give everybody updates because once we like broke it to everyone like what we're doing what we were gonna do and people were just like concerned right like are you sure you know like you're going to leave all that behind and, and what are you going to do for money? And, you know, like, 
you know, it's like, there's nothing, you know, it's like you're in the woods and, you know, so just, just wanted to kind of maintain communication with my friends and family. That's why, you know, I started just basically posting on mostly just Instagram. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, I see, I see accounts out there and, and they're, they're really like, you know, content machines and everything. Right. Um, I mean, and there's, maybe some, down the- there's some that I saw that are getting like quarter million views of just, you know, basically doing what you're doing. I'm out here today, bust some ass doing fence post. I'm out here yeah. today trying to keep deer from eating my, you know, my seeds and my, you know, all the stuff. And, and yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's, and they're it's grinding. It's, right. Right. <laughs> I know. And, and it, I feel like they're, they're popular because they're, it resonates with like a lot of people, you know? Oh yeah. Especially during the pandemic, people sat around and went, Oh my God, I'm oh, stuck sure. in an apartment in the middle of, you know, Torrance. Mm-hmm. I, I like the land that he's in. I want to exactly. go away. Yeah. Right. All those like victory gardens that like lasted, but like six months or so uh-huh. until th- things started opening up. Um, yeah. You know, it, it crossed my mind to like maybe to start a YouTube channel or something, but you know, right now it's like, that's like way down the road right now. Right now it's like now that all of the, you know, hopefully the pandemic stuff is starting to be in the rear view mirror. And, um, you know, all of that Biden money ran out and, the, you know, that, that helped a lot too. Cause I, I, I was able to get a little help as like a, a independent contractor during that, that whole first year. But, you know, now, if, and now that the, my, both kids are going to be starting full-time school coming up fall now, and I'll have a lot more free time, you know, like, what is that? You know? So I think that, you know, there's, there's, there's a, a plan to be able to start get bringing in some income here, whether it's photography related or just like, you know, growing things that I can sell as a commodity from the farm, just kind of like thinking outside the box of, of, of ways to generate like revenue, farm photography, whatever. I'm just kind of taking an inventory of what I have to offer. Right. And, um, I mean, yeah, like starting, starting like like, uh, a channel or something that's, that's, something we, we thought about maybe, maybe sometime, sometime soon in the next couple of years. Um, but, uh, you know, we're just trying to have fun with it and, uh, just kind of mostly just Instagram right now and, and right. just kind of sh- sharing, sharing stories and, and pictures. And, and, you know, I, I'm, I still like to take pictures, you know, so, sure. <laughs> instead, <laughs> so, uh, you know, a lot well, less okay. celebrities So you now. start off with a simple time lapse, just put it up while you're, you know, shirtless banging down a fence post and you get yep. 10,000 likes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah your, so. have your very large Russian neighbors come over and then you, you, you got to go international. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the plan. It's part of the plan is, is, is to just get out there and, and, you know, people seem to enjoy it and like to feel like they live a little vicariously through us. So that's been nice. But, um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of it also is, is, is to not let my, my photo skills like get too, too rusty, you know? So, right. um, yeah, you got to stay sharp and you got to yeah. stay, stay ahead of the curve know what's going yeah. on right well i mean right before we moved up I, I got a d850 and and then that was like gonna be it for for a while because i knew that like there wasn't gonna be like photo income coming in for a while mm-hmm. that was like considerable so 
Um, yeah, the thought of like going mirrorless is fa- is is fun, but I'm like, man, I'm I'm nowhere near staying on top of the curve here, and and uh, a lot of it's just been like the starting over process, you know. Even though I've been doing it for 15 years or so, it's like you come out to a new place and you have a nice website and all this experience, but really, it's like you're you don't know anybody, and right? And you, they don't you know, know you. Right. And so like you, you are hoping to get some phone calls and I still get some phone calls, you know, but it's nothing like before. And, um, it's just this whole, like, you know, again, like that ego death of just, all right, all right. I'm like basically starting from scratch here. Mm -hmm. So how did I, how did I build this, my photo business up when I, you know, when I started this thing out and how can I kind of take what I learned from that first, first go around and, and, and start over here. And um, it's really been a lot of going back to like the grassroots of like building up uh, relationships with the community, uh, the pe- people on a community level, you know. And you know, obviously things were were on pause for a long time uh, for the pandemic. But you know, once schools started opening up and gyms and just kind of getting out there, meeting parents and the word started spreading around like, Oh, you're a photographer. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You got celebrities. Who are you? This Hollywood guy is coming to the country and, you know, slowly, but it's like, all right, I'll uh, do some family photos here, work for, you know, do some stuff for the preschool and, you know, like bartering, a bartering agreement with the CrossFit gym. And then slowly it's like starting to pick up a little bit of steam, you know? And It's amazing how that LA credit is bigger when you go somewhere. Oh, you've done something in LA. You've shot so and so. You did this, and then you right. go to a small town. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, oh, yeah, you have legit credit for sure. Yeah, I mean, like, it, like it's like instant cred. Like, oh, you're 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 for real. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you shot for the New York whoever and the LA whatever. Oh, wow, come right in, sir. Sure, but but at the same time though, there's also like this this hesitancy. Like, you know, a lot of folks up here aren't too like keen on all these Californians invading, right. you know? Right. So it, in it, you know, if you like lead with that, sometimes that's, you get the opposite result. Right. So a lot of it's just been like, I'm, you know, you lead with not that first, you know, like I didn't tell, you know, I would like meet parents from the school and I wasn't, I wasn't saying like, Oh, I'm like, you know, right off the bat photographer LA or whatever but once you know you get to know people a little bit and you go go over for a barbecue and then things start to kind of un- unravel like organically mm-hmm. kind of like the garden and then they they'll you know a lot of especially locals and and people that have been here for generations they'll 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 be a little bit more receptive to you know that whole that whole thing about you know all this these LA guys coming to the country like to you know, pretend, pretending, you know what I mean? Right. So, um, but you know, it's also like the, the country life is not for everybody either. You know, we, we drive like 20 minutes East and it's like, like a cul-de-sac bill, you know, and that's where most of all of the, the migration is happening to is, and I don't understand, like, you know, especially this past two years and this mass exodus out of California, and you see all of this this growth, this suburban growth in these like surrounding areas around Portland, um, and this is like just people moving from California to California, like north. They just north. move it north, yeah, exactly. And nothing's changing. They're just moving like geographically, right? You know, 
and every their 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 attitude and mentality is the same you see it on like the roads you know um so i don't i don't blame the the locals for for being you know like like unwilling to accept it so so easily but um but it's very but, hard for people to change that's what's so miraculous about your guys's family story is you guys didn't just go up there and buy a house in a cul-de-sac you guys were committed from this beginning project of a garden and a lifestyle you wanted to change and a better life for your kids. And you moved to a small farm and have dived in neck deep into that lifestyle instead of the cul-de-sac, put up the plastic basketball hoop in front of the garage and that lifestyle that looks like, you know, Southgate, Norwalk, Downey, you know, all the places you grew up near as a kid. Right. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, I mean, right, you didn't you didn't take Long Beach and take it to Washington. No, I mean, no, I, that's for sure. I mean, but we still we, we still got some Long Beach flair, you know. Right. Yes, yes, <laughs> you can still do that. Yeah, but you don't. Still, but you don't roll in fully committed. You know, guns a blazing. We're Californians. Here we are. No, no. But, but why'd we, you move we, at that we point? We do roll. Yeah. Well, we do roll up my. I do roll up my gravel driveway, bumping Snoop Dogg still. And like <laughs> this, probably the only rolling in like that. <laughs> well, you know, here. you can't take the Long Beach Jordan kid out of him totally. No, no, that's tr- that's true. But um, you know, it's been like an amazing like learning experience. You know, um, just diving in and and just kind of figuring out what we have to do and what we have to learn and how to, you know, I mean, I can't imagine how, how people did it in like the real homestead days, you know, before electricity and you're uh-huh. out here, you're out here surviving. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there's no, there's Lewis no help Clark coming you know? over there. Yeah. No way. Right. And you know, you're, 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 you're relying on, on your neighbors to an extreme level, you know, and, and just kind of. Yeah. From everything like, from helping you give birth to right. fix fence posts because your cattle have now drifted off. Mm-hmm. You know, all all that stuff. Oh yep. my god, I don't know how you do it. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean I don't know how they did it, you know, but so like when we're when we're out here and it and it's, it, it seems like oh we're living raw and everything, this is nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> we got we're talking on on Wi Fi connection here. I have like central air and heat, yeah. just carpet, you know, this <laughs> this is nothing. So it's like this this weird hybridization of, of like um, modern living, but like with purposeful back to the basics, you know, um, at least for the important stuff. Right. And like, of course we can just go down into town and, and just get all our vegetables, which we're doing right now because like we're, we're not anywhere close to have it to being sustainable, but like, you know, this whole two year process has gotten to this point where we're at now, where now we can, okay, this following season is like really go for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got like a, you know, a, a tub full of potatoes and baskets, you know, full of like, you know, squashes and things. And our freezer is looking, looking pretty stocked right now with like chicken and like, you know, stuff that we were able to harvest, but nothing like there's some, you know, there's friends of ours that are homesteaders like near us and they have been doing it for a few years before us. And they're way they're I mean, this is nothing, you know, they're, they're out there in the, in the woods, in the woods, woods, you know, like not in a, house that was built in the 90s like like ours you know like they're they're out there doing it and wow. you know homeschooling their kids and and um you know we're lear- we, we're learning a lot from just like you know watch watching how they're doing stuff and 
like oh you know my wife will will like did you see what this you know like, these people that we like we follow we you know we'll hang with them once in a while and like do you see what they do with their with their their you know their cover crops like let's do it do it like that all right so we're basically <laughs> like you know like copying in a lot of yeah. ways like kevin other, and jane well, are doing this oh my god who knew yeah, we, we should try that too you know and then it's like working out and you know like we when we first got chickens um the, we had a rooster that started becoming a, a big asshole he was a problem um we would go out there and we had like nine hens and this one rooster who was just like this giant he's as big as a house cat and he would go out there and well my wife would go out there and he would start like chasing her around he thought like he was one of his hens and was um, he just being predatorial no he was just being a uh just a rooster just, <laughs> just like just being a rooster <laughs> just being a rooster like oh i think you know i'm like, gonna move you a, into my harem <laughs> right like that's a female you know like what are you doing get back get back in line woman you know um gotta love and, the rooster oh man and they're they're so they're so good i mean they're, they're they serve a purpose that's yeah, for sure you absolutely. know like they, this a hawk would come come by around and he'd like get everybody in everybody undercover you know and he was like <laughs> protecting them and everything it was it was cool to, to watch and just having like that old like that crow every morning you know uh-huh. but after a while my wife can't go out we can't have her out there scared you know yeah, right being chased <laughs> by the rooster yeah so you know and then and then for a while we were just dealing with it and um but then once i once he started trying to pull that shit on me i was like nah you know and he, he'd come back he like and it feel it, it is kind of scary like you just like kind of turn the corner and there's this giant like rooster with like you know they have these um the spurs that you know come out like little little daggers right uh-huh. um and then they start just basically just chasing at you full tilt like nope a couple of times i had to give them like a, a good old like charlie brown like football boot <laughs> and it didn't and it, <laughs> and it didn't phase them so we're like i oh, we gotta get rid of this guy yeah he just like would keep, keep coming after you like a like a machine so like Man, oh, that is done. amazing uh, evolution wise like he just knew his job was to keep right. coming at you till death. Yeah. Like that yeah. was his job. That's he's, you know, it, we, we, we laugh, but that's been embedded in him for millions of years. Like he's doing his job, but right. you're like, Hey, you're past the boundary of understanding. I'm, yeah. I'm the top rooster, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you know, um, so yeah, he had to go, you know? Um, so, but this is before we started doing, uh, meat chickens and we, you know, we never, kill an animal before you know right so so we're like what are we doing we reached out to these this um this homesteading family like hey you know uh and, and they who was uh, who kind of put they they had put out a call for for like people in their community like hey anybody have roosters that they don't want because we we, we need some for dog food um so we, we we hit them up like hey we got we got a guy that's problematic like can we bring him over and like kind of show us how to how to do it and everything and uh so we did, we, we went over there and like kind of immersed ourselves and try to absorb as much as we can for, of the process and saw their whole operation. We're like, man, you guys are, are doing it. Like we're, what we're doing is just like SoCal light version. Scratching you know? the surface. Exactly. So just kind of seeing what's, what's possible, you know, not necessarily that we want to go to a certain level of, of, of living on the land, you know, um, but just get a like, better understanding, right? Right, right. Maybe make your and, process better, maybe simpler, but you know, stay within your lane. Exactly, and just kind of 
just to just to learn really you right know, like especially people if, that, if, if you could save 20 minutes at a four-hour job that's probably big oh yeah definitely and just to and and i mean i wish that like you know there was like a, for everything that you don't know how to do that there was like someone who who was extremely experienced to just sit you down and show you how to do it you know like youtube videos and books and everything they're great but like nothing compares to just like well for one like someone showing you the process like face to face but then also doing it yourself and right and and learning from just experience and like not just homesteading but like but everything sure. right so uh so yeah we've been we've that been older fun. farmer right that older he, guy right who's yeah done it all. exactly and again like that's why it's been so valuable having like these neighbors uh around us that have been doing it for forever and you know we're we're the only ones that are like full full i mean in our little community of five or six you know homes like we're the only ones that are like trying to go for go for broke with like gardening and homesteading and you know everyone has their own you know there's some with like a lot of animals but there's, there's some with like a like a, a mini garden or just growing like a bunch of raspberries or something so everyone has something that they can like contribute like knowledge wise and uh especially the uh the old timers that uh that have been just like in it for decades you know and and they know how to like fell a tree like like it's nothing and um you know like uh, uh my my neighbor he's you know he's grandpa age but he his body looks like you know you're he's like in his prime you right. know he's like muscle he's like sinewy and like just veins everywhere and that's just from a lifetime of just like grinding it out out here you moving know? yeah he's just yeah. constantly moving every day yeah that's the amazing thing he's burning so many calories in a day just because not of a oh a, 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 um a class but a lifestyle like his life is getting up at a certain time and ending it in a certain time because he's got so many things he has to do otherwise he gets backlogged yeah and, and that's his workout mm-hmm yeah, there's no need for for you know running on the treadmill or something. You know, it's like you're you, you're that's farmer your walking eighty you know barrels of whatever. I mean, you're doing all the lifting and carrying and pounding and stretching, and they got forearms like thighs, like they're just massive. Yeah, that yeah, that's why they they they, they call it you know like the the cornbread strength. Yeah, you know, that's the well, cornbread, okay. Excuse me. Do you remember when we went to um, the College World Series in two thousand six? Of course. A million years ago, right? Yeah. So my first trips um, out there, I was just fascinated when we would get out with the team and have like those off days and you would go places and we would go to real farms and you're looking at these people going, you're, you're big. Your, your, your growls are big. <laughs> your kids are big. Your men are mm -hmm. enormous. You, you wonder why like those Nebraska football teams, Kansas, Iowa's just have big dudes. They're just natural that way. They, they've been moving machinery and cattle and doing all those things since they were, you know, falling out of the womb. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. You know, uh, like how but, well, imagine your life. If you've been doing this from the day you could walk. I know. Right. I mean, what I'd still would, probably be, yeah. I still probably be like five, seven on a good day, but I mean, my hands would probably be bigger and forearms and everything, but just the whole, your ass yeah. and back would be enormous just for oh, yeah. all that power moving. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we're hoping that for our kids, but at this point it's like, we'll see, you know? Right. Uh, but, uh, but you they'll know, never have that like Iowa life, you know, in like 1905 oh. 
where those guys wore overalls and they just filled them out. Right, exactly. And you had to have like 12 kids because, you know, like two of them would die from the rickets or something. Yeah, you lose two or three on the way. Right, yeah, it's just just the way of things. But, um... Yeah, you know, we're 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 just having fun, man, you know? Like just the just the 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 fact that we're like doing this and and it and it takes actual like effort like with our bodies to do it. Yeah. Um and then it's like kind of like this whole cyclical thing like, you know, we we're we're, we're there's no in between of money has to come first to in order to feed, you know? I mean, at least that's the goal. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously we have a mortgage and everything and, and we still live in this, in the, in the real world, but if we can kind of, you know, make, make it so at least the, the survival part of it where food is on the table and that's from, from our own hard work, you know, that then we'll, we'll feel good about it. And hopefully our kids, you know, they, I mean, we already seen that they have like this incredible connection to our food already and just, just being out here um and what it takes to 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 live out here you know every kid loves animals right you sure. know like and and just like just having just just having like this menagerie um and and actual like responsibilities outside of just household chores and everything you know like all of that is like so good for them like you know and they're only 6 and 4 you know like imagining like like i say like in 5 years and even like when they're by the, by the time they're in you know high school and they're out you know they'll have this like incredible like experience of growing up in this lifestyle that they could always look back on hopefully fondly you know like even though it, it you know as they get older they'll have more responsibilities you know around here but just being around the process I think um, is going to be like so good for them you know that's and uh, that's yeah. Great. I'm, that's the goal you know and 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 in the meantime you know hopefully our mistakes aren't aren't too costly or you know (laughs) no no you don't want any of that right hey you mentioned it where can people follow you on instagram follow the family yeah you can just follow me on my instagram it's at the delgado homestead okay pretty easy yep so uh, i saw just recently you guys added ducks Right, we did. What's, we did. We're. What's the duck we're, purpose? We're becoming quite a sanctuary. They have no purpose right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, some friends of ours uh, called us up. They said, "Hey, we got a duck that just like arrived and he's on our deck. And they live by. They live on the river right there." And um, they said, "Do you have any any room on the farm for him? You know, he looks like he's hurt. He's got a little blood on his on his foot or whatever." And, um we weren't thinking about ducks or anything, but you know, once that call came in and like, I hit my wife up like, Hey, uh, there, there's a duck. Do you want a duck? I'm like, I don't know. What do we, what do we have to do to get it, to have a duck going? Like, do they, can they coexist with chickens? Like what, what do they need? And so first, first thing I, I thought about was, was my, my next door neighbor who has like a bunch of geese and chicken. He's just like the, 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 the bird man over there. Fowls <laughs> are um, us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so I, I, I sent him a picture and he told me about, about it. He's like, Oh yeah, it's a Muscovy. They're, they're native to Mexico. You know, if you, they're, they're really sweet. Just basically giving us a education on it and telling us what we would need. And he's, and we're like, all right, let's go get a duck. And so we went and got him and, uh, brought him, like took him in and, and kind of, uh, 
you know, fixed them up. He had, he had like a, a gash probably from a predator. He had, I, well, a lot of what my neighbor was saying is a lot of people, they, they'll get animals, especially like ducks, and they'll realize that they're more hassle than what they're worth or they just don't want to deal with them and they'll just like release them into the wild. And a lot of times they'll, uh, they'll just become like feral. Right. Um, so, you know, we brought him in and, and uh, healed him up. And then uh, the neighbor came and took a look. He's like, yeah, that's a drake. That's a boy. Uh, and we've come to find out that uh, male ducks are can get pretty rapey uh, oh. with, in, in, during breeding season. And they'll pretty much hump like any anything that moves, especially <laughs> like our chickens. It's like, okay, now we got to get them a girlfriend or, or two. Right. So, you know, and that's how it starts, I guess, right? Um, wow, the, the men on that farm, you got to keep an eye on them. <laughs> I know. Well, I told my wife after that rooster incident, um, there's, we, I said, like, I don't think we're, I'm, I think I'm going to be the only one with working testicles yeah. on this farm. <laughs> yeah, it's going to become a lesbian <laughs> compound. Just keep right. the men away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so far our one male, well, besides our dog who's neutered, but our one male, our, our Drake, the, the, the duck, he's, uh, he's, he, at least we got him. We, we got him hooked up there with, with a couple of lady friends. So he, he shouldn't be too bothersome. Good. Uh, good. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. You know, so you don't need any problems on the farm for God's sake. The cops showing no. up on a Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We heard but, some loud music and some disturbance. <laughs> yeah. But who knows, you know what the future will bring, right? Like, um, you know, after a year or two of this, like the sky's the limit, you know, as far as, um, you know, raising food, and kind of just doing a lot of homework is and and like what what it'll take to raise a pig or two every other year for meat you know or um obviously you got this mushroom operation uh plan going for you know it'll take like a year for like these logs that i inoculate this month for any mushrooms to start growing but maybe you know like i said it's like a lot of it is this long-term thinking and uh and like prepping for for the future you know in 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 many ways and uh, trying to enjoy the the path as we go, you know. That's but uh, just trying to have some fun out here. Well, you know, Carlos, um, you know, I'm I can't be more proud of you. Like I, you know, I, I this is what you're doing with your family, your beautiful wife, and the kids. It's an absolute joy to watch. Like you're just doing a fantastic job. Oh, thanks, Matt. Uh, that means a lot really does. I mean, uh, if you don't take another decent picture for the rest of your life, but you raise two good kids and have a beautiful wife, um, and you know, you're making a difference uh, that that's, that's absolutely the best thing you could possibly do. I mean, you can make some decent pictures on the farm, but you know, making better people is what, you know, parenting's all about. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you there, man. That's, that's what it's, that's what it is it is about. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying, but in the, in, in the process, you know, we're just trying to give them a, a, a good, wholesome upbringing and, um, something that we, I mean, not that it's not possible in LA, but it's, um, it's just a whole another flavor of, of, of an upbringing that we weren't able to give them out there. So, no, I appreciate the, the nice words and, and you, you having me on. It's, uh, it's really great talking to you. It's been too long. Let's not let it go in another 11 years this okay. time all right well now i got a destination spot when i uh if i go up to portland i gotta swing by and and see the oh. uh see the great farm oh man anytime bring the family 
I'll I'll hook you up. I got a little a guest room. Farm, <laughs> farm oh, B&B. Be careful what you ask for, buddy. Might be there in about seven hours. <laughs> oh, come on, oh, come on down. It's gonna it's a little cold and wet right now, but uh, I got some I got some chores for you to do if you want to come through. <laughs> we got one inch, not even an inch. We got a one eighth of an inch of rain yesterday, and you'd have thought the news here was like you know storm watch. You know, be careful. Yeah, everybody goes nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I show up, I'll bring my uh, my working gloves and we'll uh, we'll take care of some stuff. Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. You're the man, Carlos. You, Love you, buddy. Thanks. You keep up the good work. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. You too. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Love the podcast. All right. Talk to you, man. See ya. Bye. Thank you for listening to part two of my conversation with Carlos Delgado. Please click the like button if you enjoyed the episode. Subscribe as well. And you can find all of our shows on justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.